Hi, Disney fans. This week, we're going behind the scenes and into the future with the new animated series, Iwaju, now available on Disney+. We spoke to filmmakers from Kugali Media about this groundbreaking collaboration. Director Oli Fakayo, Ziki Adeola, production designer Hamid Ibrahim, and cultural consultant Tolu Olowafeyeku. I'm Hunter. And I'm Lisa, and this is D23 Inside Disney. Hey, Hunter. I'm so excited for this week's episode. Hey, Lisa. Me, too. I just got done watching a new show called Iwaju, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. (laughs) Me, too. Fancy that. Okay, so we're so excited because Iwaju, as we know now, is a coming-of-age story about Tola, a young girl and her best friend who get in adventures in futuristic Nigeria. The show just dropped on Disney Plus yesterday, so we're so excited that now everyone can understand what we're talking about. Yeah, I remember seeing like a teaser trailer for it at D23 Expo in 2022, and I was like, oh, this looks really unique and different. And Auten, the lizard sidekick that's on the show, is not only cute, but like really resourceful. Like he can do seemingly anything. I wish I had my own Auten in my life, you know? I agree. Auten would definitely come in handy. (laughs) You mentioned D23 Expo a few years ago, though. I remember that moment. And since then, it has been a highly anticipated series. It's a first of its kind for Walt Disney Animation. I really love everything we've heard, you know, about this, especially coming from Jennifer Lee. She's so excited about this collaboration. It's the first of its kind for the studio in 100 years. I mean, so it's groundbreaking. And very, very cool that Disney audiences and beyond are going to be able to check this out. Totally. And the show itself is like packed with a lot of funny moments and like twists and turns. Did you enjoy watching it? I did. I fell in love with these filmmakers. I think that this trio that we got to talk to, you really just can feel the passion for this project. I absolutely love that Ziki and Tolu started this whole journey off with a podcast of their own and hoping to create media tell stories about Africa and just having it be so authentic to really what they want to represent. And so I think it's so incredibly cool that we get to see that in this series. And you do, you see that throughout the episodes, you see Legos, even though it's futuristic, you really get to see how these filmmakers, their creativity, their passion, and their excitement to tell this story, but also be so true to Nigeria itself. I think it's an absolutely super cool series that people should check out we're so used to seeing like mythical lands that don't exist. And I think it's so cool that this one just, it takes place in Lagos, Nigeria, just in the future. That's such a unique take on it. I didn't realize that thing you were saying about, it started with them having a podcast. It's so cool. It's like everything starts with a thought, that little spark of imagination, one little spark to quote, (laughs) journey into imagination. And look, they have their own show on Disney Plus and it's fantastic. That's so cool. That's so inspiring. There's all kind of like tech advancements in the show, flying cars, all sorts of stuff, augmented reality glasses, robotic lizards, as I mentioned. So Lisa, this got me thinking, what invention would you like to see in the future? Mm, That is a tough one. I echo you. I love Aten and robotic lizards, but since that's in the show, I'm going to try and Go with something far out, Hunter, but something I really do dream about. Mm -hmm. Teleportation. I'd have to say this is like a science fiction kind of show, right? It's futuristic. (laughs) Legos Nigeria. Let's just throw teleportation in there. 
into future hopes. I would say, think of the places you could go, the resources we could share. I mean, lunch in Italy, we're walking the streets of Lagos, Nigeria. I mean, <laughs> how many places and things, Ratatouille, Paris, let's just go there for dinner. Oh, come on now. Don't get me started on how I dream of teleportation. <laughs> oh, that would be so cool. I really want to visit all the uh, Disney parks in the world, and that could be a way to accomplish it in the same day, too. Why not? Let's just knock it out. Let's do it. What about you, Hunter? Uh, I was watching one of my favorites the other day, Meet the Robinsons, which is just full of all sorts of fun inventions. And I think the main one in that movie, Lewis is trying to invent a helmet that lets you see like any memory. I think it lets you see anything you've seen in the past. And he wants to see who his mom was. But I think that would be so cool to be able to like, I'm trying to describe this memory that let me just put on the helmet and show you what it looked like. Is it going to have a good filtering system for the ones that you don't want to remember? <laughs> <laughs> Just so like a, a little trash can we can drag and drop. That would be great. There you go. Slide it to the left. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this project was announced in 2020. So it's been a long time coming for the filmmakers to finally get to talk about it. We were happy to give them that chance and there was a lot to discuss. So let's go now to our talk with Ziki, Amid, and Tolu. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, how you guys oh, doing? Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for being here. Okay, so Ziki, we're gonna start with you. Awaju just debuted yesterday. So for anyone who hasn't checked it out on Disney Plus yet, tell everyone what the story is about. Awaju is a coming of age story that follows a young girl that has lived a privileged but sheltered existence that embarks on a quest to not only gain her father's approval, but to discover the hidden truth of the world that she lives in. Okay, well, I have to say that I love the character of Tola. I'm already so enamored with her. She really is. She's an amazing character. I also have to call out, though, that amongst all the humans, there's a lizard named Aten. <laughs> so just from the trailer, there's a lot going on with this character that makes him very unique. He's partially robotic, seems to have special powers, and is clearly very adorable. Tell us more about this character, as I'm sure he's going to be a fan favorite. It's funny enough, I, I, I didn't really anticipate how much of a fan favorite Otten was going to end up becoming, but I wanted a robotic character and one that was different. We've had questions in the past about, in a lot of Disney shows, there's always the animal sidekick. So I wanted to create something that stood out in the sense that, first of all, this is a robot dressed as an animal. Secondly, it's the only character that isn't human because people tend to love to anthropomorphize as well. So the way Otten sees the world is very unique. Even in the episode that centers on Otten's creation, it's, it's fundamentally different to all of the other characters because I wanted to explore from a perspective of, okay, how might a machine think about these things? But I think because Otten has such a different perspective on things, it naturally creates that curiosity because people are like, what's going on with this thing? And then obviously because Austin is based on an Agama lizard, which you can find in Nigeria and other parts of West Africa. I think it's also fresh and something that they haven't seen before. And then obviously with the design, actually Hamid designed Austin a lot more cutely than, <laughs> than I thought you could make an Agama lizard. <laughs> yeah, so when it came to designing Austin, there were two things. So Ziki mentioned the cultural influence in terms of the Agama lizard is very much, people from Nigeria know it right away, whereas in lots of parts of the world, they don't have Agama lizards that look like that specifically. So that was the first thing. In terms of the cuteness and everything with inside it is, it was going to be a companion to Tola in a way. 
And we wanted Otin to carry kind of the duality that Tunde kind of had, right? In that if you look at Tunde as a character with everything, he's kind of removed from the world in the way he sees it, i.e. gifting a lizard to your daughter. But Otin itself is almost a consequence of that. Number one, the Agama lizard that's painted over there, that's a male Agama lizard. It's the one that has the orange head and the blue body. But if you listen to the voice, it's a female voice. So you can see he just went, oh, tech, a gamma lizard, oh, and he focused on the tech to make it as good as possible. And then also embodying the world philosophy and the tech inside this world. Otin is built using something we call hard light inside the show. So it's kind of physical light, you can touch it. So that's how we can make something so small expand into something really big, right? So you have this machine little bits that kind of have light energy in between them that allows you kind of expand it as much as you want to. And it was a lot of fun experimenting with that concept to create different shapes Otin could make and he could turn into different things. And there are a few scenes that couldn't make it in there that were cool, that kind of explore it more, but the ones that remain are still quite cool. So in terms of that area, and if you look at the patterns, even on Otin, like on the jacket and on his head, every character in Iwaju has certain patterns associated with them, which were made specifically for them and they appear on their clothes. And Otin's pattern is just part of Tunde's pattern, kind of imbued on Otin itself. There's so much attention to detail there. What a cool sidekick character. So unique and so much backstory. Tolu, Kugali could have set an original story in a fictional land, but instead, Owaju takes place in Lagos, Nigeria. How important was that to you, and what opportunities did that choice open up to you as filmmakers? So we originally pitched three stories to Disney Animation, and there's Iwaju set in Lagos, Nigeria in the future, but there were other stories that were fantasy set in the past, maybe over 2,000 years ago, where the current African countries as we know them didn't even exist. So we had different options and we pitched everything. It just happens that Disney Animation selected Iwaju. Personally, I was hoping they would pick Iwaju because I live in Lagos and I felt like while Ziki had always had a dream to showcase Lagos to his friends in the UK, I didn't quite have that dream before, but I did have friends I met online who I used to send pictures and videos from Lagos to show them all the quirks. Like, hey, look at this really crazy thing that happens in Lagos and doesn't happen in your own city. So when we pitched these stories and a story in Lagos was one of the options, I was like, I hope Disney picks that one because I'll get to show people a lot of crazy quirks about Lagos that they might think we made up for animation, but those things are actually real. And I'll give you examples. So in Lagos, if you're in the traffic, the traffic in Lagos is terrible just because it's overpopulated. It's the largest city in Africa in terms of population. So when you're in the traffic, people will literally try to sell things to you in your car. Like you're in a moving vehicle and you make an entire purchase and some of the things you can buy in real life Lagos in traffic, you can buy food, you can buy furniture, you can buy paintings, you can buy dogs and you can buy all these things in traffic. So when we put that in Iwaju and we just exaggerated by taking it to the future and saying, okay, now rich people can afford cars that can fly over the traffic. But the people hawking goods to them still want to be able to sell to them. So now they've created drones that can carry the goods so that even when your car is flying, they are still heckling you like, hey, buy my goods, buy my goods. 
So again, everything, all the cool stuff you see in Iwaju are things that exist in real life Lagos, but we just exaggerated it using um, futuristic tech. So you're saying it there, Iwaju like loosely translates to the future. So that's what we're seeing throughout the series that it's clearly kind of like, obviously it's in the future. Mm -hmm. What do you think was something that you were really excited to include and imagine in designing this world of Lagos? Let's rapid fire question it. One each. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start. Yes. The vernacular, the way we talk, the pidgin, English, Yoruba, and English salad. Oh. It was such a meticulous process in terms of trying to featureize all these things inside the world that the process itself was exciting since a lot of sci-fi things, uh, a lot of sci-fi films I've seen from outside, they'll kind of look at sci-fi as a genre and featureize it based on the genre. So they'll be like, okay, we're in the future, let's bring in flying cars or the example uh, Tolugev right now, right? With the uh, hawkers and so on. Whereas when I was building this world, I wanted to make sure I start from, okay, what is really in Lagos? Like, we're very liberated. What is really in Lagos and what would make sense? So the process of actually building it from a real place and what would make sense from it and pushing it into the future versus, oh, sci-fi, flying cars, let's have this, let's have that. It was more like, okay, Lagos, what do we need? Okay, too much traffic. If I'm rich, I'd, I'd want to fly. Let's fly. People would be hawking you. Ah, he went in the air. Let me catch him up in the air. And kind of repeating those things over and over again, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, so I think... The first thing that comes to my own mind is some of the more urban life, you know, so the markets, the parts of the mainland that still feel like, still have the ruggedness, but then still feel futuristic as well. The whole world feels very, like, alive, and it feels like a, a real place. The story could be told so many different ways. How did you come to decide on a, a series as opposed to a short or features as your first foray into working with Disney? So funny enough, the original goal was a lot shorter in scope, but I don't know if we have the capacity to, to think of things within that scope because everything that we pitched Disney, they were like, oh, wow, these are really, really big ideas. So eventually we landed at a limited series because it made sense for Disney Plus but still had the real estate for us to be able to tell the best kind of story for the themes and the characters that we presented. So that's ultimately how we landed on this specific way. And I think because we're following each character as almost like a chapter, I think that the serialized or the episode per episode format kind of makes sense. Because in many ways it could watch as a movie, but because each episode kind of centers on each character, that gives you that break because you're looking at things through a slightly different perspective. I personally really like that approach because you do, you really, like you said, you get to spotlight each of the characters and see just everybody's point of view, which is so, so cool. I would say that I really love that there's a lot of firsts going on with Awaju. And I want to say a big congratulations to you because the fact is, this is the first original series on Disney Plus from Walt Disney Animation Studios, and it's your series. How do those words make you feel? And how did the collaboration come to be? I think... There's luck, there's privilege. I'm grateful for it because I didn't set out to break any records or set any, you know, standards or anything. I just wanted to make cool stories. From when I was a kid, I've been drawing comics since I was like five. I've always wanted to make video games, draw comics, do animation. I literally used to animate by drawing with a mouse in Microsoft Paint 
and then taking those drawings into PowerPoint and using the PowerPoint slides as animations. So like, I've always wanted to just do this. And I was only following my dream to just create cool stories. And next thing I know, everyone is like, you're the first to do blah, blah, blah. And you've done this. And I'm like, oh, wow, you guys like all this stuff. It feels very lucky to be doing what I actually wanted to do and to just find out that I'm actually also setting new standards and pushing the boundaries and moving things forward. And it's very similar for the rest of us. Slightly different stories from a personal point of view, but generally that's it. We've always just wanted to tell good quality stories. I would say mine is slightly different because I wanted high quality African stories and the wealth of the stories we had inside. I always knew that maybe not breaking a record, but inevitably with the quality of stories within the whole continent, maybe also my ego as a young person. I'm older now, I'm wiser now. That's why we worked together versus trying to fight with Disney. But I always felt like, hey, we can do something. There's no way in all this time in history, there's no one single African animation made by Africans, written by Africans, that has not traveled the world. It could not make sense to me. I could not compute it. I was like, it's going to happen. And if I'm not going to push myself to do it, I would not feel very happy about myself. So it was very intentional to try and push the boundaries as far as possible. And that's a generally thing I do a lot. A lot of people here can attest to that. <laughs> and I push the boundaries as much as I can. So, yeah. That's so beautiful and very inspiring. And I just love that in each of your different perspectives of how this you know, project got to be that you're incredible. And like I said, very inspiring. And so you clearly got to work with Jennifer Lee. You were talking about that a little, Hamid. What was that experience like getting to work with Jennifer Lee on this? It was a beautiful experience. I felt at least in the calls, like we had like a special way we would both see something in that there's a time I would say something a certain way. And because as Tulu and Ziki know, sometimes I ramble on and I kind of diverge from it a little bit, right? As Ziki said, mad scientist mode, right? And she got exactly what I meant. And most people in the call did not. It happened a couple of times. So either she's really good or we get each other in a different level. So that's a lot of fun. Despite that, I know Ziki worked with Jenny a lot more. Maybe you can share the experience of you working with her. Yeah, I mean, I think it was incredible to work with her on several layers but i think on a very personal level it just helped me evolve as a storyteller because you know she's worked on some incredible projects and has insights that i'm only now beginning to understand and fathom but i think more importantly is that she's a really nice person. She's really passionate about what she does. She's really passionate about storytelling. And so I think that positive energy felt really uplifting. You know, I don't know how many official drafts of the script that we had, but there, there were significantly more unofficial drafts. Editing uh, one script can be extremely <laughs> painful, but in those moments, you know, when she's giving her notes and they're coming from a place of wanting the best for the story and also coming from a place of wisdom, it gives me the patience, the impetus and motivation to continue to strive to be better. So I learned a lot from her and I found her a really, really solid um, guide. It's so cool to hear about that kind of collaboration. All right, another aspect I'd like to talk about the show is the music. You were talking about high quality African storytelling and that totally translates to the music. Can you tell us about the score of Awaju? Absolutely. Our composer, Ray Olunaga, the music department in, in, in Disney, they had found him, they had presented his past work to myself, and 
I knew that it was a very solid match, especially given that he's also from Lagos as well. And I think what's incredible about his work is that he was able to fuse many musical motifs ranging from paying homage to the 70s, which was like prior to this current age was the golden age of uh, Nigerian music, but then also pays homage to this current age as well, infuses musical motifs from things like Nollywood, but then also has like modern universal musical motifs. You know, there's certain scenes where the musical motifs feel a bit like almost like an, an Avengers movie. So he's able to just combine all of these different things. And then I think even more importantly is the emotion as well, because we use temp music prior to actually appointing a composer. And, you know, with the temp music, it was looking really, really good. And I thought that we had already peaked in terms of our capacity to elicit emotion from the perspective of, of the audience. But then once you actually replace the temp music with the real composition, you're like, wow, this is taking this to a completely different level. You know, Hamid has an anecdote. I don't know if he, he's not, <laughs> not always willing to share it, but um, let's see if he'll do it here. I'll share it. Okay. So it's very hard. I barely cry and I've almost never cried because of sadness. Pretty much the only time I've shared a tear in the last 10 years, maybe three times, maybe three times. It could be two, uh, depending on how you count the 10 years. And one of those times was actually the tear didn't fall down. So it's technically one and a half. And it was during the music composition process. And it was because the music was playing, the orchestra was there live, kind of with the music going on. And they had the storyboard scenes on one screen and they had the actress scenes on the other screen or they were chopping between themselves. And I saw a shot from the storyboard and it took me back to the first sketch I ever made of Tola, like Tola 1.0, not even 1.0, Tola 0 0.0001.0 kind of thing, right? I don't know if that's a math number even, I just realized what I did there. <laughs> and I saw that, then I saw the real Tola kind of over there, like kind of the fleshed out Tola animated laughing in that scene. It was kind of the scene with the flying over. Mm. And she was laughing and the camera, she's surprised and everything and she's a real character. And then at that exact same moment, the music swells. So it's almost like it was catching me this emotional moment and then the music swell. And I actually say like tearing up. I didn't let the tear fall down, but I definitely was tearing up. And that's like, a, that's, that's a pretty big thing. <laughs> okay, I have to say though, Another big thing that you all experienced was D23 Expo. And I am curious, I mean, if one of those half tiers was there, because I imagine mm -hmm. debuting footage of Awaju to Disney fans, also debuting yourselves, that was probably a moment for you. How would you describe that experience? It was a moment, but more of a fun moment. Uh, not even close to tears at that time. We're just in the element, having <laughs> yeah. fun, shooting shorts. It was but a good I was time. I was happy we were able to come out with Agbadas, kind of like what Body wears. Mm -hmm. So we had our Agbadas, and I feel like, I guess we just brought that Nigerian loudness. And Hamid being Ugandan was like, okay, I'll do this with you guys. I'll wear this Agbada, but I'll just wear this little Ugandan thing on my neck. But the thing is, I feel like most people just came there wearing like regular clothes. And then the Nigerians come on stage in these Agbadas like, yo, check out our new show. I feel like it was just a very nice highlights moments, which I feel th that image, especially when Hamid raises his phone to take the selfie and says, are you, D23, are you ready for Africa? I feel like that one moment will become iconic. I feel like people will still look back at that specific clip many years from now and it's like, that was an iconic moment. Well, this is an iconic show. Hamid, Ziki, Tolu, thank you so much for 
talking with us. And uh, oh, I also want to mention Owaju A Day Ahead, the original documentary, is also now streaming on Disney Plus, which shows a lot of the, the behind the scenes of how you made the show. So thank you so much for meeting with us, and congrats on an awesome show. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Awesome. So, Lisa, when I was watching Iwaju, I had a bunch of questions. And what a unique experience to get to ask the filmmakers the answers to those questions. It really was. It was so incredibly cool to come full circle with their story from D23 as we talked about their podcast and then now to their series on Disney+. Plus. As we said, all episodes of Iwaju are available right now on Disney+. Plus. Thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. And don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. If you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back soon with more fantastic guests on an all new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.